so one of my friends who's going to be in Minnesota mm-hmm. uh, called me yesterday specifically to ask because I I we, I was talking in a group chat about they should come by or whatever, and I, I said I would tell them when. My friend called me specifically to be like, "Do you can I meet money?" Oh God. <laughs> And I was like, uh, sure, absolutely. Tell him he's going to be wildly disappointed. Welcome to Game Theory and Money Off Week edition. This is our Super Bowl preview preview. The week before the week, as the uh, Super Bowl is here, Cynthia. Uh, Cynthia, of course, with her fancy degrees in predictive analytics, her MBA, her Northwestern education, uses her own model to run 10,000 simulations to make predictions that, uh, using math, we hope, are as accurate as any could possibly be. So today we kind of take a look back, Cynthia, uh, because clearly not only was your model, but pretty much everybody's idea of the NFC championship was uh, horribly wrong uh, because regardless of who you thought was going to win, everybody pretty much thought this was going to be a really tight competition and it was very hard to figure out who was going to come out and represent the NFC um, in the Super Bowl. So why don't we get straight to that and uh, figure out why it went so bad for Minnesota and if in fact there was something, because you know we all have hindsight, whether or not there was something that we ought to have picked up on to uh, to come to the conclusion uh, that led to a 38-7 Eagle domination over the Vikings. I mean, ultimately, the thing you saw in this game, the early lead that Philadelphia jumped out to, and then they never stopped passing. Usually you see the team start to run. They really couldn't catch up. So the Vikings, they just didn't have a chance to catch up after. The third downs, you know I love third down conversion percentage. That was a really big area where there was a big problem. They actually went right at Harrison Smith, which was surprising to me because Harrison Smith, he's one of the top. safety. Totally. And Zach Ertz specifically, four of Zach Ertz's eight receptions were on – in Harrison Smith's coverage, five of Zach Ertz's uh, eight receptions were, went for first downs. And listen, four of those were on third down. So third down, where we saw Minnesota be the best in the league, and you know, obviously the Eagles third best in the league, we saw Minnesota not be able to perform on third down on defense like we had anticipated and seen all season long. And we said, you know, repeatedly throughout our, our podcasts, um, you know, the, the best predictor of win-loss is turnovers. The second best predictor right. is third downs. Three turnovers. Well, that's the key. I mean, right. when you're up 7 nothing and the crowd is freaking out because you just marched straight down the field against the Eagles defense that was supposed to be one of the two or three best in all the NFL, uh, and then on the very next offensive possession after they failed to score, instead of building your lead to 10 nothing or 14 nothing, you throw a pick six. And now the environment inside that stadium has changed completely. Uh, the Eagles probably feel a lot better about themselves. And those are things that just can't be measured uh, by analytics is the swing of emotions. And that was a dramatic swing of emotion and momentum. Totally. And you also saw Nick Foles with his 116.4 passer rating in his three career playoff games. That's just crazy. That's like, that's all three. So obviously not just the two we saw this season. This season. Yeah, he had one more with the right. Eagles. Uh, Highest in city well. player since 1970. And pretty much that's driven by last game. Yeah, I mean, it was I mean, it, it was an outlier. Well, I don't want to say it's an outlier game, but yeah, you, you would have to believe it's probably an, an outlier game. And I think a lot of that, like you said, had to do with sort of the confluence of all these touchdowns in the first half, Minnesota trying to play catch-up, 
Um, and that's just, you know, it's the old Mike Tyson. You know, everybody's got a plan to get punched in the face, yep. and and that's what happened. I mean, the right. Vikings really took a punch there in the first half. Yeah, and then – so going back to Nick Foles for a second, I will say it's maybe an outlier because for your, your – it's very unlikely that if you're up so much, you're going to keep throwing the ball, which is what they kept doing. But And also, if you look at Nick Foles' first four games that he played this season, he was 2 of 15 on passes that were 20-plus yards downfield. He had like a passer rating of 14. That's bad. <laughs> that's that's pretty bad. Um, in this specific game, he was 4 of 6 for 172 yards and two touchdowns. That's a passer rating of 149.3, so 150. That's a lot more. The only, 135 more, right? The, yeah, I, th- I think, <laughs> as I mentioned, you know, like as we try to figure out why why it happened, and, and you know, neither of us took the the Eagles, and then on our, you know, on the Damashek podcast, all four of us, Hank Sheck, yep. uh, the two of us all took the Vikings. Uh, Eagles fans, certainly as their dog face t-shirt suggests, um, they uh, recognized that they were underdogs throughout the entire postseason, despite having the number one seed and the best record. Um, I guess the one thing that maybe we should have kicked around a little bit more um, was was being outside and being on the road, and that that didn't necessarily play into Case Keenum's strength. It's hard to talk about the Packer game because it was Brett Hundley, and he was so bad against that really good defense. Uh, the two wins over the Falcons and the Lions late, of course, were indoors. And then you kind of have that Panther game mm-hmm. where Keenum struggled a little bit, and it's not like there's severe elements in Carolina, but it's a really good team that made the postseason. It was a hostile environment. It was an outdoor environment, and that certainly was far from his best game. It's a small sample size. I know you hate those as an no, analytics I, person, I mean, there's, but there's not a lot you can. That do was maybe situation. a flag you could have leaned on. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was a close game. I think the model was like you know, it was sub sixty percent that the Vikings were going to win. It was not a strong indicator for them. So it wasn't like this game that where you're expecting this blowout and then you're getting like a you know, they weren't like. Huge underdog. Case Keenum picked a bad time to have the worst game of his season. Right. And also, what we've seen from Case Keenum didn't project for him. Like, you could have said beforehand, you could have been like, well, if they get down or if they turn the ball over a lot, but you could say that about every quarter. Sure. Right. Like, so, (laughs) except for maybe Tom Brady. But apart from that, you you know, that team isn't built. When you're facing two really strong run defenses like that, passing is going to make all the difference. If you have three turnovers and then you're behind, it's really it's really going to be hard to get yourself out of that hole. And again, uh, you against know, those it, run defenses. And and again, it's you know I hate to do it because it's the old what if game, and that's not what yeah. I'm trying to do. But that pick six does not happen. And you credit Chris Long; he got in there, yep. he altered that throw. It led to the the interception. You just wonder how much different the game script would have been for either team had Minnesota been able to score on their first two drives. Yep. Eagles shut out, go down by two scores, and what happens in that environment? The, All other, right. the other thing that, that actually really like forecasts going forward is where the Eagles' D-line was able to get pressure on the Minnesota offensive line. In the middle, You know, these are the places like when you look for Tom Brady next week or this week or whatever week you're listening to this podcast ahead of the Super Bowl, you know, where are those pressures coming from? And in that whole D-line, it's coming from <laughs> every direction. And especially when it comes up the middle. I mean, it's just a up different type of pressure. Um, and it's pressure that we talked about with Tom Brady, you yeah. know. And, and I'm saving not- all my good Fletcher Cox notes for later, so I, I just want to... For just next wanna, week? Well, not for next week, but we have some fun stuff later on in this show, okay. so I'm saving a little bit of it for that, but Fletcher Cox showed me something that could be very problematic for the Patriots. He's very good. Let's yeah, get to the uh, the Patriots, good. speaking of them, and their 24-20 win. Mm-hmm. Over the Jaguars, uh, I'll just say, with before you get into the analytics, never did I think the Patriots were going to lose that game. 
I, I just I just didn't. Neither it, did it, I. It, and you know what? It's weird because they were being manhandled. Uh, they really were. Blake Bortles had a that that was the one weakness that we looked for. We're like, well, is Blake Bortles? He played well. Blake Bortles played well. Um, the two things we were leaning on, like getting pressure on Tom Brady and the secondary, the defensive secondary for the Jags, both were kind of. Not what you expected. because Tom Brady. It's it is <laughs> remarkable. The guy's forty years old. Uh, he is not mobile, and and there were bodies flying all around him. And he took some hits. It's just it, it, it's so crazy to watch him operate in the pocket and just how six inches to a foot can be all the difference in the world. And, and without how he, Gronk, he is, yeah, he is the master of it. It's right. it, it is amazing to see him elude the pressure without having. It's like a sixth sense. He just knows where everybody is around him, and he only has to move a foot to three feet to get away from it inside of maybe a, a five-foot square space. And, and it really is something to behold. It's really interesting when you look at the pressures. We, so we talk about – you talked about seeing Tom Brady get pressured. Actually, when you go back and look to see how many times he was under pressure, they all occurred in the first half or almost all occurred in the first half. They weren't able to get get and maintain pressure on Tom Brady in the second half, and they only pressured Brady on 21%, so like nine of his 42 dropbacks. That's 10% less than his season average, which was pretty surprising yeah. for me. I, you know, and it's coming from the outside, which is, you know, the, the tackles played really – Cameron Fleming had a great game. But, you know, that's a really – they come from the edge in that game. Marcel Darius, who you love talking about, he went out. He went out and so did Clayus Campbell and for Dota a Calais stretch Campbell. there. So, so that, missing that's certainly, that yeah. changed the ability to pressure – to get pressure on Tom Brady. And obviously Danny Amendola became the hero in this game. We talked about the middle of the field being where the Jags are vulnerable. We saw Danny Amendola crush the middle of the field. Operally, yeah. 145.1 pass. Passer rating when Tom Brady targeted him. Tom Brady's passer rating was that when he targeted him. Um, losing Gronk is a big loss, you know, obviously. Huge. You know, I, and we talked about you can't – there's no way to cover him. As great as, as Jalen Ramsey is and, and as intriguing as that matchup was going to be, it just doesn't matter. I mean, it, it does not I, matter. No I one player can do it. Both Ramsey and Boye allowed four of their five each targets that, against them to be caught, which was interesting. And the one thing that also was, was a big deal that – and it projects forward to this next game is pass interference. So the defensive pass interferences that they caused changed the opportunity for New England, and that's something that in the Super Bowl, pass interference on deep passes specifically is something that could be a predictor. It goes, uh, it goes beyond just the idea of, of a completion for a score or whatever. A lot of times that's all you're trying to do, and you'll you know teams will plan for that in the huddle. They will say, hey, look, I'm going to throw it up. Do everything you can to create contact, yep. slow down, speed up, break a little bit here and there. You try to draw that contact and draw that flag, and that's, you know, the deep pass is still effective in that manner. I want to give some love to Blake Bortles since we've called him garbage yeah. a lot. Uh, trash, not garbage. Trash, trash, trash sorry. Because we're quoting Jadavian Clowney. Correct. Jadavian Blake Clowney. Bortles is trash. trash. So he was actually pressured on, you ready for it? 48.7% of his play. What? A high clip. Like, think of 30 as, like, a, a high number. 30%. 48.7. So, congratulations, Patriots. That yeah. was something we saw. And they were having injury issues along their offensive line. They were, but, as well. but I mean, they exploited it. And Teron yeah. Armstead, who's that, you know, the, that's the wrong team, but yeah. whatever. I was, <laughs> Saint. I was thinking uh, about. Cam. Uh, Cam. Um, Robinson. Robinson. There you go. I don't know why those two names got mixed up in my head, but whatever. Cam Robinson was in you and know, out. Arkansas Pine Bluff. I mean, I guess uh, <laughs> Jacksonville. You think about anyway. I, like, um, I yeah. like that you can make the connection. But ultimately, you saw him go in and out, and it wasn't just where the left tackle was missing. It was also in other spots, which, yep. I mean, look, 50%, almost half of his dropbacks, not that he drops back a ton, but still. 
pretty pretty. <laughs> as far as the Jags go, the most interesting thing is going to be what do they do with the quarterback position next year, you know, and were those not just a single well, tier soon, right? like we a Native like... American because you're throwing your trash out <laughs> on the Great Plains, but, you know, Bortles <laughs> had those double tiers from each eye, and you wonder. <laughs> I know. Him crying actually made me feel bad. Uh, you wonder if he, he says, <laughs> man, this was my chance, and it ain't going to happen because I'm not coming back here for $16 million bucks. I actually think that they're going to – well, we're going to decide the next month here. Yeah, see exactly. It. See whether or not they bring him back. He certainly played well enough. Um not in the Buffalo game, but most definitely in the Pittsburgh I and the New England game to maybe get another shot at it. Their cap situation is in like the bottom third of the league, so they don't have a ton of cap room to they play. They spent with. it all this last offseason. Yeah, they spent a lot this past offseason. They did a great job of drafting. I think I think I wouldn't actually be surprised if Blake Bortles remained on their roster. However, I do think they potentially would bring someone else in additionally. Yeah, Not someone super expensive, <laughs> Kirk Cousins, but I do think someone Kind of in that more mid-tier. Alex Smith, maybe that kind of uh, like a more mid-tier guy that you don't need to pay thirty-one million to get. But you know, again, just going back to that game, you know, Blake Bortles did enough. He I, did. He uh, they were up ten. Imagine if Blake Bortles is your backup. Yeah, you're really happy. But he's a fifteen million dollar backup. That's the problem, which is why if he ain't starting, he's gone. I can't imagine that they want a fifteen million dollar guy backing up someone like Alex Smith, who's probably yeah. going to cost him twenty million bucks or so. To put on the so roster for five million more, you get Alex Smith. Then, that's know, the question. Like, that's how you get a like. Got to yeah. look at your Batna. Right. You know what I mean? Like you got to figure out like oh, 15 for Bortles or 20 for Smith. I think I'd pay the extra five. Me too. White the single back with Brady up under center. He takes the snap. He play fakes to White. He stands in the end zone. He looks down the middle. He fires and the ball is caught in the back of the end zone by Danny. It's a catch. Amendola. Touchdown. Patriots. It's a catch. He made the grab just inside the end line. And New England has taken the lead. I love Tom Brady. Man. Danny. Playoff Amendola. He's such money on it, so money on his drive. But the composure of the quarterback, down and tight, Amadola elevates one foot. What a catch. Two right foot, foot down, oh my left God. Foot toe tap in the back of the end zone. Clutch. Oh, that's Scott Zolak. I don't know if there is a more excitable uh, color analyst in all the NFL. He loves Tom Brady. He loves Tom Brady. You know what? He also said your name. He did? Amendola was such money on this drive. Oh, uh, that's exactly what he meant. Uh-huh. If I were out there running routes in a diminutive stature way like Danny Amendola, although I take that as a bit of a slight. I know I'm not a large man, but Amendola's clocking <laughs> in at about 5'8". I'm at least 5'9". <laughs> uh, all right, let's get to Super Bowl 52 and maybe some of the not game-related questions, uh, ideas that people – are going to be talking about. We'll talk them, uh, th- we'll, I guess we'll call them themes. How about that? Some themes, uh, MVP we're going to get a look at, uh, and just kind of speaking to what happened in the NFC Championship and how events that play out can dictate how a game is going to go. So why don't we get started with the very start of the game. and something The most people, predictive thing ever. Most predictive, exactly. That's right. <laughs> unless the, unless the coin the can land on its side. Literally the definition of a 50-50 yes. proposition. I don't know. It could, again, <laughs> it can land on its side. And then what are you going to do? Uh, eventually, that's that's not going to happen. No. People do enjoy the coin toss for Maybe whatever Minnesota reason. Minnesota, like, freeze midair? You know, I'll tell you, it is, it is interesting as someone who, you know, called a, a game every week for the Chargers and had to, let's go to the coin toss. Centerfield captains exchanging handshakes. Here goes 
to watch the way different teams approach the coin toss and whether they win or lose. And I would say, I believe of all 16 games, uh, the Chargers played only one time did a team take the ball. Uh, every other time whoever won the coin toss deferred and because uh, that's what teams want now. They want to battle, try to flip the field on that first possession, get their offense better field position to start their opening drive instead of starting at the 25, uh, which is your most likely outcome from a kickoff. Uh, and then, you know, get that start of the second half kickoff and try to get that is something you always talk about, that extra possession. Um, and that's why they're deferring. So uh, get us started here, Cynthia. You've done some history. Yep. Uh, you've examined the history of the coin toss. What it's do we very got? Very important. Well, it, this is – I actually think this one's more fun than the jersey color because you have you really have a choice with your jersey color. You you know, obviously you have a choice if you're, you're going to call heads or tails, but – I saw this on Twitter, by the way, and, and I support it wholeheartedly and it's because I'm an old man wholeheartedly but uh I do I do think this would be the ideal Super Bowl to have a throwback jersey Super Bowl just to have uh Pat Patriot and those red white and blues you know with the three-cornered hat guy hiking a football for the Pats maybe even make Tom Brady wear the Grogan neck roll as well um, and the Eagles go back to that sort of lime green and bright silver wing on their helmet I do think that that's what they should do. They won't. We know that the, the Pats are going to wear their uh, their whites and the Eagles are going to wear their forest greens. But, uh, damn, I'd like to see a Kelly green or more of that lime green eagle uh, outfit that like the Jerome Brown, Reggie White era Eagles used to wear. All right, that's it. I'm out. Now go ahead with your, uh, your fancy coin toss. Thing. All right, so we've had 51 Super Bowls. The coin has landed on heads 24 times, tails 27. So about 50-50. <laughs> Right about there. Of the 51, 24 toss winners have gone on to win the Super Bowl, but 12 have been from heads and 12 have been from tails. Well, I mean, I'm going to pay close attention now. I don't even have to watch the Super Bowl. All i got to do is watch the coin toss. <laughs> Past four coin tosses have come up tails. Okay. Okay. NFC has won the toss in 18 of past 20 coin tosses. Interesting. And the team that's won the coin toss has lost the past three Super Bowls. There you go. You don't even have to watch the game. You can uh, watch the coin toss. No, no, no. Make your way out to your party and your nachos and uh, enjoy yourself. That's just setting the stage here because you're ready for the next part. So Should I sit down? You you know, you really should. This is so predictive. It's going to just totally rock your world. Okay. Philadelphia won the coin toss in Super Bowl 15 and 39. Now, you know who 39 was against? It was the puke bowl. (gasps) The Patriots. Yeah. Yep. They lost both times, or they won the toss both times, and they lost the game both times. But here's the best one. What do we got? Ready? New England. They've been in the Super Bowl nine times. They've lost the coin toss five of the nine times. Do you know what has happened in all five of those coin toss losses? I I don't know. Hoisting the Lombardi Trophy. So they want to lose the coin toss yep. is what they're looking at. <laughs> yes. Okay. So stupid. And <laughs> in their in <laughs> in their four wins. Yep. Yep. Even in, in in their four times they've won the coin toss, even if they're favored. Lost the game. How about that? Mm-hmm. So there you go. Uh, I guess what we're saying is, based on the past, were that to be a predictor, <laughs> the Eagles are going to win the coin toss and the Patriots are going to win the Super Bowl. Yep. That's what we're looking for. <laughs> okay. You know what they say about tails, right? That never fails. There you go. Except for the 24 times that it did fail. It did fail. <laughs> yes. so it but turns whatever. out tails can, in fact, tails fail. fails at a rate of 50%. Um, you know, we talked about this with, with the, the Vikings and how different we felt about the NFC championship game. Uh, when they marched down the field against a very good defense, scored with ease, 
defense holds serve on the next possession, they now get the ball back and have a chance to go up by either 10 or 14. Uh, didn't happen, and of course it unraveled from there. They were outscored 38 nothing from that point on. Um, what about kind of the idea of a, a team that scores first and how predictive that is when it comes to a, a Super Bowl? Because it, you get the sense, oh, if you can get up early, right. you can really take control of a Super Bowl. Well, what, you, what have we seen? If you watched the presser yesterday, so Wednesday, it's Thursday. I don't even know what the date is today. January 25th. 25th, I believe. Right. So if you watch the presser on the 24th, um, Belichick was asked about the fact that the Patriots have not scored in the first quarter in all seven of the Brady and an Belichick. offensive point. Uh, correct. So correct. they've had they've had the defense scoop and score. Correct. Or Fifteen pick total six. first right. quarter points. Fifteen total first quarter points scored in the Patriots in seven Super Bowl appearances under Belichick, but none of those were scored by the Patriots offense. How about that? Now I guess that wouldn't include special teams then, right? Would right. we consider a field goal a non-offensive touchdown? Would that be a special team score? No, it's like is that what we defense and special teams would be like. Safety. Well, I guess that'd be defense, right? Yeah. You could have a kickoff return. I'm just trying to figure out if they would consider a field goal a special team score or an offensive score. Probably a special team. Uh, no, probably an offensive score. Okay. I think that's an offense. I just see the 15 total first quarter points, and I'm trying to figure out how they get to 15. Is it – did they go for two once, and it was just two defensive touchdowns? Pardon my ignorance on uh, – Patriots Super Bowl history and whether or not there were pick sixes or scoop and scores. I would guess that might be the case. It just doesn't seem like Belichick's the kind of guy that would go for two that early in a game. What happened uh, in the Seattle game? I just I remember that uh, first thing was a I'll tell you what happened in the Seattle game. They didn't run Marshawn Lynch. That's what happened <laughs> in the Seattle game. Uh, all right. All right. So, but who's the season leader in first possession points? Patriots. They have 54. I'll tell you who it wasn't, day. the Chargers. No, it was certainly not. They did, They had like once, four. <laughs> once, a single field goal through oh, 16 games on their sad. opening possession. <laughs> yes. so the Patriots were seven touchdowns, two field goals, but they ended up five punts and two interceptions on their first drive. That's kind of a recap of that. Philadelphia's defense is number seven in allowing opponent first possession points. They've allowed 28 total, two touchdowns, five field goals, six punts. So if it's going to happen, it would most likely be a field goal is what we're seeing from that but I went back in history and I looked to see well what's going gone on in these games when the Patriots haven't scored in the first quarter you know overall last year Patriots were number three 2014 15 they really have never been 15 was the lowest that they've ranked in terms of first possession points for the most part they're one or three or you know top top six at least and their opponent has been in the bottom half so it's very interesting that you might want to think if you're playing trends you would you think it would be a field goal by the Eagles is probably where it nets out when you stack up who are the who's going to score first because they're going to lose no Philly's going to win the coin toss based well, on past yeah. right mm -hmm. and then the Patriots are going to defer so the Eagles are going to get first possession they're going to be able to move the ball enough I against, love I love the story it's we're just trying to yep. figure this out right against the Patriots defense that tends to make adjustments and becomes much more stout after halftime because Matt Patricia's a rocket scientist and he needs to see things laid out in front of him before yep. he can really yep. get his defensive game plan going all right I like that we're going <laughs> Eagles field goal Eagles as field the goal. first score as of the, the first game score of the game all right uh By what about halftime time. now we've seen that with the Patriots I'll wait look uh, I'm half joking but the Patriots are one of the best halftime adjustment teams mm -hmm. and always have been under Bill Belichick. So what are we looking at come halftime here? So 
just to set the like level set here, they have the second most points per game on the season, number one over the last eight games of the regular season. So 28.6 was the was the whole season. Over the last eight games, that number went to 30.3. But if you look in just the first half, like where are they scoring more of their points? Last eight regular season games, the average was 16. The Eagles, by the way, 12.3. And then in the postseason, this actually flipped. The Eagles have been scoring 16.5 by halftime, and the Patriots 15.5. Now, it is it is extremely important to point out the Eagles had 28 points or 24 points at the half for right. against, I think, what was it, 28, Absolutely. 24? I think it was 24. Right. So it's, that's going to skew that right. dramatically. In two games, yeah, you're, it's getting two games. A, it's very, you're getting like a low number. But even if you add those two together, that's still like, you know, over 30 points by the time you get to halftime so that is interesting to me so I went and I looked to see like okay so what happens like scoring at the end of the half so the pat the the pats offense is fourth best at scoring at the end of the half they scored 77 points at the end of the first half in the season and they have the sixth best two-minute offense but Philadelphia is the best at preventing scoring at the end of the half and the Patriots defense actually is second best at preventing score at the end of the half so it's interesting like when they're two minute defenses yeah and we saw that we yep. saw that uh against the Eagles with the with the Vikings remember right. they they held them and then all of a sudden they run their two minute drill they end up scoring same thing with the Patriots so yeah that's a bit it's, it's so odd when you try to figure that out are they playing prevent is it just the hurry up what the heck is going on and why does it seem so easy to move the ball against a really good defense uh, in those two-minute drills or those 90-second drills like we saw in both games. So we're definitely not getting going to give away the final score. Oh, we're not? No. For today, we got the Super Bowl next score. Week. Next week. You got to keep them. So you're giving back. away the halftime score. Yeah. Okay. I, th- I think that's a good bargain. Sure. Right? Like, you know, we're not going to give you the full it's score. It's the off week. We're halfway to Super Bowl. Sure. Yep. So my model has for the most likely halftime score. Are you ready for this? I am. 14 to 12. 14 to 12. Uh-huh. That doesn't – got to tweak your model. Can we, can we adjust it to either 10? Can we – if you were going to adjust right, it to 10. either 10 or 14, let's what do we do? Let's go 14 to 10. 14 to 10. Can yep. I jump in this conversation Please, real yes. quick? Because I, I've been looking up what you guys were questioning earlier about how Bill Belichick saying this the Patriots – This is producer John, by the way. Hi. Hi, John. Uh, saying the Patriots don't often score points or never score points in the first quarter of the Super Bowl. So of the seven Super Bowls that Belichick has taken the Patriots to, in four of them there have literally been no points scored in the first quarter. By so, either team. By either team. Four of them finished the first quarter 0-0. So I don't know if your model, your 14-12 to 12 at halftime model, might be a little high. Well, I know your uh, producer, John, we like to call him PJ, is a uh, <laughs> it's first time. fan of the, uh, literally the sweet science. Yes. You know? and, uh, and, and as your pugilistic background will tell you, John, uh, this is the feeling out process. You know, Dancing around the ring, maybe throwing a few jabs here and there, take a body shot or two, but you don't want to expose yourself to that big haymaker. And that's, you know, that's always been the Belichickian way. Uh, in this dystopian era of uh, Belichick football in the uh, the NFL, so I'm just word soup, word diarrhea is what I just gave you there. All I right. like it. Back to uh, back to the halftime score. Fourteen to ten. Okay, fourteen to ten. Yep. What fourteen else to ten. <laughs> Turnovers. That's where we're going next. Important. Pretty important. Probably the most important for everything. We talked about Case Keenum last week. So, New England's offense, number two fierce turnovers on the season. They have 12. Eight were interceptions and four were fumbles lost. But here's the here's the thing you got to look at. How many total fumbles were there and then how many fumbles lost? 13 total fumbles and then only four were fumbles lost. So, they do a good job of minimizing the... Recovering. Yep, recovering. Then they also... Um, gave up the third fewest points off of giveaways. But I want to look at the ratio. So they have 45 points off of those 12 
turnovers, right? So that's 3.75 points if they turn the ball over. In other words, if Philadelphia is able to create turnovers, this could be the re- this is the recipe to de- you know unseed or whatever. What is it? Unthrone, dethrone, what? Dethrone, the- dethrone. There you go. There we go. Unseat or dethrone. Unseat. There you go. Okay. Seed, seat. I, I mean, it depends. Are we in a monarchy? <laughs> Are we in a democracy? Are we in an oligarchy? I think it's kind of. What like are we a operating in? Monarchy. We call him King Tom. Is that King his? Tom. I mean, kind of. We are his fiefdom. I mean, I've um, pretty much done that. Although, you know what? It didn't happen in the Jacksonville game, right? They The turnover battle leaned Jacksonville's it way, and, and it looked like time was on their side. And next thing you know, here's Tom Brady doing what we all expected him to eventually do regardless. I, I guess when you score the most points on the season, then when you have a turnover very like infrequently and it nets more than a field goal in points, that's that is one, you know, do you see what I'm saying like Yeah, it is odd. The, the one stat in there, the little the number that kind of sticks out to me is um the fewest points off giveaways. Third fewest points. Just because like when you watch the New England defense, they they're not that impressive. Like they don't jump off the screen at you like, "Man, I Sure would hate to go against this defense, but then you look so, at the pressure rate. Wait, and so now you're – that's New England. Like, that's how many points the other teams score. That's what I mean. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So Got it just it. seems like it is one of those defenses that rises to the occasion. That, yeah. like we said, in the second half when they're down, they seem to get into another gear. It's it's the proverbial switch that is flipped. You know, the Jordan Bulls, the New England – you know, the, the Tom Brady, Belichick, you know, Bill Belichick Patriots. There seems to be the ability to – get your performance up to another level when it is required in order to win a game. And obviously the best example of that was in last year's Super Bowl when they're down 28-3. And granted, they got some cooperation from the Falcons and the play calling, but it's it's always happened. In this era of football with Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, this team has found itself in adverse situations, and they are always, seemingly always, able to overcome them. Mm-hmm. I mean, at some point, at some point they're not, right? But we haven't seen right. that happen in Super Bowls. Um, it's almost you know you think about the the losses, right? The the lo- the two losses to the Giants, I believe in loss. in both of those, Patriots were ahead. It's like you right. don't want Tom Brady to get behind. You don't want the Patriots to be behind in a late game situation because it almost seems like it just it it, it seals your fate. Um, if they're ahead for whatever reason, that's when you have a chance to strike and knock them off. All right. So the I want to talk about the Philadelphia defense really quick. So they've had 31 takeaways. That's fourth most in the league. 19 of those were interceptions, and 12 were fumbles that were returned or that were that were recovered. So that's fourth most interceptions in the league, which same as their total takeaways. But they've recovered 12 of the 19 fumbles they've seen. So they're very good at recovering fumbles. So, so one of the Patriots' deficiencies is, or one of their strengths is also a strength for. The, the Eagles. So whoever wins, if there's a fumble, whoever recovers that fumble, that's a pretty big advantage there because strength versus strength. Okay. And they've allowed the um, five defensive touchdowns, which is number two fewest in the league. Pa- on the other side, Philadelphia's offense, 20 turnovers. Nine of them were interceptions. 11 were fumbles lost. But they lost 11 fumbles off 25 this on, so 14. That's a lot of times coughing a ball up. That's it for is. Sure, 25. It um, sure is. And losing 11 is also a very high number. Yep. It's um, 24th highest in right. you're keeping track. But they have the seventh fewest points off of giveaways, so 52 points off of 20 giveaways, so 2.6 points per giveaway. Okay. Eight Patriots defense has 18 defensive takeaways, which ranks 25th, 12 were interceptions and six fumbles. Um, the 12 interceptors actually rank 18. And de- New England's defense has also seen 19 fumbles, but they've only recovered six of them. 
to the All of this is great, Cynthia, but yep. I can't stop thinking about that Fletcher Cox nugget that you said you had that you were going to share with us. What What is it? What What is the Fletcher Cox nugget? Because it was the only player that uh, Bill Belichick really was effusive with praise. He was obviously uh, celebrating the Eagles as he does every one of his opponents, but he, he singled out Fletcher Cox and mentioned what a special player he is. So think of the number 13. 13%, right? That's the second highest in the league. That's the number of times that every time Fletcher Cox was on the field, he either gets a hurry, hit, or quarterback sack on a passing down. Okay, that's pretty good. 13%. There's only one person in the entire league who's higher than him in that per- by percentage, and they didn't play as many snaps because it's you have a higher percentage right. who plays fewer snaps. Who is it? We're not going to talk about him. Okay, he's, not, fine. he's not playing. This you, is Fletcher Cox's him. shot. You've heard of him. Spotlights on Fletcher Cox. This, this guy... This guy lives around here. Well, I don't, I, he, I don't know where he lives, but it's Aaron he, Donald. Yeah, yeah. Other than that, it's uh, Fletcher Cox. So that yeah, there's reason why. I mean that that and look, what do you always say? People just think Belichick's only going to take away the uh, the most dominant player on the opposing team's offense. You know, you would assume he's probably of all the players on the field more concerned about taking Fletcher Cox away. Yep. That that is going to be the the point of his. Uh, I guess what keeps him up at night and what he wants to figure out. I just want to point out that last week there were six. Six pressures for Fle- Fletcher Cox alone. Ridiculous. That's let's, let's let's just be let's put that like to level set that a little bit. There are teams where some guys an entire season get like twenty, and that's like not bad, right? It's six in, in one, one game. game. Again, and a lot of that is also game script. You know it what I mean? Because script, they had to pass a lot. They did, but it's still the, like yeah. it's still they're still can, trying to block you. And Minnesota's O line isn't bad. Right. We, you know, they're not. They weren't the best in the league this year. But they, there was. We, we did not believe that that would be the case. I was that watching them. You're just like, wow, okay. Fletcher Cox is good. All right, so Fletcher Cox is good. Perhaps a potential MVP. Let's get to this fancy uh, list that you handed me here. Yes. Uh, all so these MVPs. With, oh, yes. All these MVPs, uh, Cynthia. And what, if you had to project, based on what all of your numbers tell you, who's going to get out of this thing with the MVP, what uh, what jumps out at you? So I don't think it's anything surprising. When you look back in history, you see that 28 of the 52 MVPs. So there are 52 because in one year there was a tie so two people got the mvp so in one year uh there's 52 so 28 quarterbacks and only one person has come from a losing team overall i'm gonna just kind of focus on modern era so i'll go back to super bowl 40 where heinz ward won in a contest in which i believe that was ben roethlisberger's second season he had a horrible game uh and it just did not make obviously you're not going to give it to the quarterback there Heinz Ward had a really good game mm-hmm. but then when you go through it's quarterback 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 it's basically all quarterbacks except um, what I thought was a bad MVP award to Santonio Holmes that was given to him based on one play that last play and look it was a remarkable catch but by no means tell you said was he the most valuable player of that contest it was just a hell of a grab to get the four point win over the cards and the, the sideline there of the end zone and the other one was because the Seahawks had a game manager at quarterback um, and Russell Wilson and their defense just wrecked Peyton Manning and the Broncos. So you had to give it uh, to a guy who had an interception for a touchdown and a fumble recovery in, in Malcolm Smith. Otherwise, it seems like we just look at quarterbacks. I mean, that's yep. most likely, as you pointed out, 28 of them over half the time. It is a quarterback that gets this award. So speaking of the quarterback, obviously Tom Brady's in competition with just himself to become the only guy to do uh, four-time Super Bowl yeah, MVP. He's won three so far. No, Should have won four. four. They didn't want to give him the, uh, the no, Dion Branch one. He's got four? Yeah, he's going for five. He's going for five. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, he's going for five. He he passed Joe Montana last year, 
and then he's going for five. Ah. And ultimately, there's a bug that's chasing me. There's a bug coming at you. There's a bug that's chasing me in here. So he's going for his fifth one to, you know, only displace himself. He's also going to become, if he has 279 passing yards, he becomes the first player in NFL history to earn 10,000 passing yards in a postseason. I think he's going for his fourth, isn't he? I think it's fifth. Because Deion Branch got it the one year. They didn't give it to, to Tom. Are you ready? Tom? Last year. This yep. has been fact-checked. Cynthia is correct. <laughs> I'm an idiot. <laughs> Which one am I missing? I know he won it against the Rams. Okay, so uh, Panthers. Right. Well, last year against the uh, – Oh, right. Last year he won it. That's what I'm forgetting. Last year <laughs> against the uh, the Falcons. Yep. Gotcha. My mistake. Okay. Um, I mean, come on. I do that all the time. You should know these things. Um, But the – so it, my order, if I were going to pick, so obviously – Tom's number say, one. Tom, Tom's With a bullet. One. Not even close. Right. Like, by, like, yeah. a, a mile. Now the bug's chasing you. That's all right. Okay. Um, so, if the, if the, if you think about it, though, then the second most likely person to win it would be Nick Foles, because if the Eagles win, then it's most likely the quarterback yeah. in that situation, too. And he was the MVP of the M- NFC Championship game. Right. And then, obviously, so for me, Rob Gronkowski's number three. And then, if you go down to the next one, it's really interesting because it ends up being Brandon Cooks, mm-hmm. which was. I was a bit surprised by this because Philadelphia has a great passing defense. They've not allowed like more than 70 yards to an individual player. I have Brandon Cooks in the end zone, but less than 70 yards, which is a funny little benchmark there. Five receptions is another threshold that I have Brandon Cooks staying under. And, you know, the Eagles don't allow more than five to any one receiver. And and I guess that speaks to the idea that if the, the Eagles are going to win with a dominant defense in a running game, they yep. rotate their back so much yep. that you probably can't think of like a Terrell Davis-like performance right. where Jay Ajayi is going to get 25 carries and three touchdowns. Exactly. Jay Ajayi ends up being about one, two, three. I think he's fourth. Yeah, he's after Deion Lewis for me, and he's the second highest ordered on the Eagles. And I think a lot of this will also come into what you're going to share with us next week, and that's yep. what your model says yep. uh, eventually becomes but, the winner because rarely – as in almost every single time save one uh, does a player from a losing team uh, not win yep, the MVP. Yep, there's one time. Keenum goes into a long count, straightens up, takes the snap. Here comes the rush. He's hit, and it's intercepted. It's picked off by Robinson. Robinson at the 30. Cuts back across the field. Patrick Robinson looks for a block. Now he's at the 20. He's at the 15, the 10, the 5. Touchdown, Patrick Robinson. All right, let's give some shine to the uh, the bridesmaids, uh, Cynthia. And I've been a bridesmaid a lot. What they uh, what they do in the World Cup, uh, the third place game, the bronze medal game. Uh, when you think about the miracle on ice, they did play a bronze medal game uh, after, and it was the Russians that were in that bronze medal game because remember it was the uh, semis that the USA knocked off those commie, those commies. <laughs> So let's get to the uh, the Jags Vikings. If in fact we could get ourselves, that's what we should have. We should have the third place game the week between Seriously. the end of Championship Sunday and the Super Bowl. I love the Pro Bowl. It's great. It's fun. I like the skills competitions and all that. But I man, like what a third place game! Skills. Be great. I don't need an actual game. I just want to see play the more bronze skill. medal game. There we right. go. So skills what would happen? What does the model say would well, happen if the Jags and Vikings tangled for a bronze medal? So I took a little bit of liberty in terms of projecting injury reports like you know with Marcel Darius and uh, Pat Elfline being hurt that was actually a really key matchup in this game turns out 
turns out that so did you project them as healthy or no? I projected them as healthy okay. because in my opinion, if they were going to the Super Bowl, they would probably find a way in two weeks to is get. Is it healthy. neutral site or is it at Minnesota? At Minnesota. Okay. Because that was the best. That's thing. the neutral site. Well, it I guess that makes sense, right? That technically is your neutral site. Yeah. So it was at home, and that did somewhat factor into it, just because you know you you do get a little a little bump. I guess that that's game. weird. This year it would have been uh, would not have mattered. Neutral site or home game, still the same. It would still be in same. Minnesota. Minnesota. So what happens? Twenty three, twenty one, Minnesota, fifty six point one percent of the time. Assuming those two players I mentioned were healthy. So I went with. I didn't say full health. I just said, you know, kind of like an 80%, which is what I would have done right now had I, you know, had we, had they been playing. For the Super Bowl. Right. This right. is what your projection would yeah, be. Yeah, yeah. So. Oh, the poor Viking fans. You just torture them, Cynthia. You couldn't have the Jags beat them, so listen. they didn't have to play the what-if game. Instead, you have them coming out victorious. They would have won their first ever Super Bowl. They would have done it at their at home, home stadium. Just, listen, I've been oh. bridesmaid a lot. It's not a bad life. It's not a bad life. Tell that to the Viking fans after telling them that your model had them beating the Jaguars. At least you didn't have a model of them beating the Patriots as well. I did not. So I did not. So take that to your, uh, I don't know, your homes in Minnesota. And, in Minnesota. Uh, well, I can tell you who's going to score some touchdowns potentially. Say who? Too. <laughs> Adam Thielen and, and, <laughs> and our guy Rudolph. Kyle Rudolph, okay. Kyle, who, by the way, scores touchdowns after. Like, we're had the like, big touchdown to start the game in the NFC Championship after game. After being on this pod, he like, never stopped scoring touchdowns. I think he had 30. Like 35. After he appeared on the pod. I think 30 as well. Maybe even more. Um, so ultimately, what what was the difference maker in this one? It was the fact that there wasn't going to be three turnovers likely in Minnesota. The third down defense projected to you know, outmatch Blake Bortles. And then we saw with that Jacksonville O-line, the ability for them to get pressured. Now, again, I tried to project everyone as being at least somewhat healthy because the O-line is better than what we saw. Um, however... It was it was not unlikely for Blake Bortles to sustain playing at such a high passer rating completion percentage, you know, given the fact that I mean, look, we we we've seen him have good games. He played well. I gave him his shine. We're we're not calling him trash or garbage. Trash. Trash. We're not calling him Should trash. Be clowny. Blake Bortles is trash. But every quarterback has games where they play better and games where they play worse. And when you're facing a defense like Minnesota's, it's hard to project that you would stay playing better. Right, like in, that's any quarterback. More of the Bills game than the yes. Patriots game yep. is what you're saying from Blake Bortles. Yep. All right. Well, there you have it. Uh, had the Super Bowl been Jags Vikings and were there, as there should be a bronze medal game, there should be. You got the Vikings coming out of call Roger. Two, Roger, get, let's get Roger on the phone. Let's get it done. Well, you know what? He'll be at Super Bowl, and we'll be at Super Bowl week uh, in yeah. Minnesota. So we'll speak to you from there. Next week, a big thank you to the sponsor of today's podcast, Late Night Flights Out of Minnesota, huh? Minneapolis-St. Paul, there's a 1040 that comes back to the West Coast. Good luck getting on that one. Thanks for uh, listening, if you have not already. Maybe somebody on By this podcast way, is on it. Make sure. Money's uh, kidding. Well, he's not kidding. I'm he's not. taking that. 1040 p.m., But baby. they didn't sponsor our <laughs> Might as well be. Uh, here we go. The uh, podcast, as you know, can be subscribed to, and boy, would we appreciate it if you Please. left us a rating and a review on iTunes. It helps us continue. To grow the pod, we will do the uh, Cynthia Freeland 10,000 simulation Super Bowl prediction in exactly one week from today. Today is Thursday, January 25th. We'll do it live from some banquet room uh, in some hotel. Uh, we'll tweet out where if you'd like to come say hello. There you go. Uh, no, I don't, I don't mingle with the public. Listen, I, all I know is that I know a lot of people who are super excited to meet money. Yeah, there and are none. No, it's true. I'm Not telling true. you, there's a lot of people who are just super excited to meet money. I can't wait. Not I can't true. wait to like make their dreams come true. If you show up at Radio Row, I'll be happy to say hello. I believe I have to share a table with like six other radio stations. So uh, look for the guy. 
Ooh. Money only likes healthy snacks, too. With all the Claire's bags, because I'm going to be shopping all over the Mall of America before I get on uh, the radio show and get things rolling. All right. Thanks for listening and downloading. We certainly appreciate it. We'll be with you again next week here on the Game Theory and Money Podcast.